welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Monk. I know Monk from the Something Awful forums, where I discovered Dark Souls and kind of came into my own PvP world. He and I have done um, quite a few dumb things on the internet together, uh, including doing a bunch of fight clubs in Dark Souls 1. Um, my ill-fated goon project to do a giant family run in Dark Souls 1, he was part of that, so we reminisce a little bit about that. Um, he's an old school video gamer when when games were hard and you had to put quarters in them basically to win them. And we talk a lot about his history with the Souls games. Enjoy the episode. Remember, if you'd like to come onto the episode, like Monk, go to don'tgiveupskeleton.com and all of your information will be there. Thanks. Well, let's start at the beginning. Tell me about the first time you played a Souls game. Um, so it was after, I, I can't recall exactly what thread it was in, uh, something, some thread from the uh, SA forums, uh, and everybody was talking about how difficult this game was, and, and that appealed to me uh, for reasons of being old, primarily, um, because <laughs> I... I I can't I, like I was like a teenager it, like in the eighties and so you know back when like quarter driven arcades were still very much a thing and and you know the thing about all those games is there was no winning like you didn't win it was just you held off whatever was happening for as long as you could like the space invaders don't stop coming you never beat the space invaders um, and so that was just like. I was used to not being able to beat a game, and I, I remember having so much uh, frustration with, you know, some of the newer console titles, uh, you know, when the complete and utter hand-holding of everything became such a thing, like, you know, in Call of Duty, like, every 10 seconds, some indicator pops up saying, go this way, go this way, <laughs> just so <laughs> off-putting to me, you know, it's like, can I just play? Like, I got it, I get how the game works, stop giving me hints. Um, Have you seen the and, uh, the image that's been floating around for a while of uh, someone took Bloodborne and put like, yeah. waypoints and maps and like goals and objectives, <laughs> like made it like a modern uh, open world game, and it just looks yeah. horrifying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the exact. I love that image for that reason because it's such a it, it's such a, a perfect skewering of that you know genre of games and that style of gameplay. And so I kept hearing about this. It was mostly Dark Souls. I hadn't really heard of Demon Souls yet, aside from a couple of mentions because I think. You know, Demons was kind of a little more niche. At like, like you really kind of had to be sort of hardcore to really appreciate Demons. But so, um, yeah, so I finally picked up like a used copy of Dark Souls after hearing about it so long. And so at the time, my PS3 was still hooked up to one of those ancient, like 500 pound, 36 inch CRT TVs. Oh my I god! I used, to, I used to have one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, like you have to have two people to move them. They're ridiculously heavy. My and, dad um, is still mad at me because when I when I moved away from Louisiana, I moved to Phoenix. Um, he helped me. He, it was his TV that he had given me, so he was taking it back to give to somebody else, and we were moving it downstairs, and I dropped my side, and it hit his ankle, and it, like, oh, to God. this day, his ankle bothers him because of that goddamn Trinitron TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I'm surprised it didn't just take his leg off. Um, <laughs> just, just way stupid amounts, but anyway, so the problem was, is, uh, you know, I was, I'm super frustrated trying to play the game, uh, and the reason was is, you know, everyone kept insisting, oh, you got to read the loading screens, like the item descriptions. You'll get a ton of info for that, except I couldn't read any of that on my CRT TV. The text was too blurry, so I couldn't see a word of it. 
Oh, wow. So, so I would just be, it would say like Estes flask and then I couldn't get any of that. Um, so it was like, well, that's not going to help much. Um, and so it just uh, frustrated, frustrated, like three days, I think like three days of playing like pretty intensely. Cause it was like a weekend the first couple of days. So probably, uh, like, maybe 16, 20 hours of playtime, and I just made it to the bonfire in Undead Berg. Like, that's how long it took, <laughs> because I just had, there was no guidance. Like, I was like, really? There's not even a manual telling me what the controls do? And, like, even the messages written on the ground, like, even that text was fuzzy on this TV. So I, I basically just stopped playing it. I was like, okay, I think we're maybe beyond my kin or, you know, whatever. I'm just not going to be able to do it. Um, and then eventually, uh, like after a couple of days, by you know, again, my um, my my sense of there's no way I'm going to let this thing beat me kind of kicked in, um, and uh, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go buy an HDTV. They're not that expensive. Like it is like whatever. 2013. I'm a little behind the times now, um, so I'm just going to go buy one. So I went out and bought like a nice you know 55 HDTV, um, which was actually a funny story in and of itself because. When I first hooked it up, uh, I was on Xbox 360 at this point, and when I first hooked it up, I like I played a DVD, and I was like, hmm, yeah, not really, not really blown away by the difference between SD and HD. Like it's not like <laughs> like I don't see what all the fuss is about. Um, and then I, I finally realized, like looking through the settings in the Xbox, that I still had the output on SD. Oh, excellent! <laughs> yeah, I was. I was... <laughs> HD yet, so I switched it over, and then you know, same DVD, and I was like, "Oh, holy shit! Yeah, that's way different." Um, so it's like getting yeah, a new so, pair of glasses. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so I finally fired up uh, Dark Souls again, and now I could read everything. So glorious. Uh, and so that uh, amount of guidance in hand, I think I just started a new character altogether, just you know, to have a clean slate. Um, I can't recall. I probably started a thief because I, I tend to always gravitate towards uh, what I now refer to as a dex build from playing uh, Souls games. But yeah, I tend to gravitate towards like fast moving, uh, quick weapon swinging builds. Um, so yeah, so I started like a new thief. Um, I probably picked the worst possible starting gift, like the life ring or the something. But um, yeah, and then uh, like uh, immediately now that I understood. So had some idea of what was actually going on, uh, got better much quickly, much quicker, and then uh, started to enjoy it almost right away. Um, because I think, you know, to me, the the best part of those games is how well they balance out um, uh, risk versus the eventual reward. Like when you've been beating your head against the boss for so long, and then you finally beat it, like it feels like an accomplishment. And I think previously... Like in my entire gaming history, which literally dates back to like the late seventies, like Atari twenty six hundred. Um, I think you're, you're really people... angling for like being the oldest person that's been on this podcast. <laughs> Am I? Yeah, sweet. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I think the only two accomplishments gaming wise I'd ever done uh, that had given me the same feeling that the Souls games tend to give you over and over, like with each new boss you encounter, were. Um, so there's a, a an, arc, an old arcade game of a, considered a classic called Defender, um, which mm -hmm. uh, again is known for being just obnoxiously hard. I mean, watching someone's first Defender game is, I mean, it's pathetic. Like they put a quarter in, and and 20 seconds later, it's over. 
<laughs> like it's it's over with. Um, and it, it was the machine that you know I'm like 11 or 12 at the time, and and a standard weekend was my mom you know needed to go to the mall to go shopping or something. And simpler times. This is going to sound horrifying to people who have children now, but remember, simpler times. This was the early 80s, late 70s. Uh, but we would go to the mall. There was two arcades in the mall. I was allowed to walk directly between those two arcades as long as I didn't stop anywhere else. And she would just hand me a fiver and go do her shopping while I stayed at the arcade. Um, and so the Defender machine was kind of uh, where, like, all the older kids hung out because it was such a hard game that, like, you know, you would just get – you basically – made fun of, like, if you didn't have some sort of skill, you know, like, if you can post up 100,000 points in Defender, which is probably, you know, maybe four or five waves, mm -hmm. um, then, then that was respectable. Anything below that, it was just like, yeah, get out of here, kid, you know. So I remember making a couple attempts at, at the arcade. It was This was a Springfield Mall in uh, Springfield, Virginia. Um, the arcade was called Spaceway Raceway. It actually had a, a bumper car track in the back, which was really weird uh, to have it inside of a mall and then just an arcade in the front. Um, but yeah, I remember my first time, you know, uh, like I tried to put a quarter in Defender and play, got absolutely destroyed, like not 20, 30 seconds. And then, you know, heard the laughs of all the older kids as I slunk off, you know. Uh, and then like a couple months later, after that kind of humiliation as a kid, there was a... Um, a drugstore near my house that I used to ride my bike down to, you know, to get like, you know, snacks and candy and that kind of stuff. And they always had one arcade game sitting in the thing. For the longest time, it was a zookeeper, which I never really got into. But eventually, I, I went down there one weekend and there was a Defender and no one was ever there playing it. So I was like, I have my own Defender, basically. So, um, so I used to always take my allowance. Instead of going to the mall with my mom, I'd take my $5 and go down to the the drugstore and and I learned to play Defender. Like I mean, I wasted so many quarters because again, the difficulty curve. I mean, like to give you an idea, like the control scheme is an up and down joystick and a reverse button next, like on your left hand. Mm -hmm. Your right hand is responsible for a hyperspace button in the in the center, um, a smart bomb button which killed everything on screen, a thrust button, and a fire button. So I mean, two hands spread out with a lot of buttons to play it. So at the time, that's a really complex control scheme. And so I basically learned to play and got to the point where I could get through, you know, six, seven waves. And then I, like, remember one of, like, so my big gaming achievement was finally I was ready, and I went back to the mall and, you know, stepped up to the older kids. You know, you, back in those days, you put your quarter on the machine to get, like, the next turn. Like, you, everybody's quarters would be in a line, and so you had to remember where your quarter was when your turn was up. Um, so I put my quarter up, you know, a little, some derisive laughter, laughter as I was putting my quarter in, like, oh, this ought to be good. I finally got my turn from play, and I posted up, like, probably the best game of my life at that point, like, almost 200,000. Like, it was a really good game for me. And, uh, and I remember, as uh, like, I just I had this huge grin on my face as I was walking away, and I remember one of the older kids was like, all right, man. And I just thought, like, like as, like, a 12-year-old, it was like, yes, like, huge, like, chest-swelling, prideful feeling, like, hell yeah, I hung with the big kids, you know? <laughs> and so, so the, uh, so the Souls games, like, it's like that, like, repeated, like, every time you run up against, like, a boss or some, you know, new thing, and you're just getting destroyed, you know, like, you have no idea what's working, and, because uh, nothing is working, you're, you have everything you can think of, and you're just still getting obliterated, and then when you finally get around to beating it, it's just like, 
yes, you know, they feel like this huge, like, power. Um, and, and it even does that, for me at least, on, on repeated playthroughs, you know, because the other thing I love about those games is that, um, uh, like, a new build will completely change the game. Like, trying to do, like, any kind of challenge run, like when I, I did an all-bows run of Dark Souls 1, and that was amazing because it was completely different. Like, no melee weapons, period, no spells, just bows. And, and that made it a completely different game, having to kill some of those bosses just with bows. Um, so, so, you know, it's good at not only managing that feeling and, you know, kind of feeding it out uh, slowly over time, but just making it different if, by merely switching playstyles. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Dark Souls gives you so much, like, mechanical vocabulary, especially Dark Souls 1. Like, I, f- I feel like, and, and 2 and 3 do as well, but, like, for some reason about one, like the builds feel so dramatically different from one another. Than like when you're doing a streak build versus a dex build versus like an all bow build, which is super weird, right? Like <laughs> me and another guy yeah. did like a, a PVP build where it, he was literally using four bows and like some crossbows the entire time. It was crazy. Just so much right. fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that about those games. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, unfortunately that's, I think that's probably my biggest complaint with three is it doesn't really manage that as well, at least not for the whole game. You don't start to get any build variety until you get about probably two thirds of the way through, like, uh, before it starts to really become different. Other than that, unfortunately, it feels like to me that if you're doing anything other than spamming R1 with a straight sword, you're just handicapping yourself unnecessarily in three. Let me tell you about starting Dark Souls 3 with a um, and thinking I was going to do my Dark Souls 2 build, which was uh, a dagger and relying on sorcery or hexes, which ended up not existing. But um, And how fucking terrible and hard that was for the first five levels. <laughs> it was yeah. like it was like I started in like extra hard difficulty. Like I was in nightmare mode for no reason. Right. Yeah. I was, it felt the same way for me because I think my first build was a sorcery build. And, and, you know, it's, it was particularly in the vanilla game before anything got patched, it was sorcery was, was so gimped. And that was like the OP starter build for Dark Souls one. And so, yeah, it it was terrible. It was like, man, when do I get something good that actually, you know, does some damage? I just feel like I'm tickling everything to death. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, my, I, I eventually went back and, and played Demons. I really like Demons. I still, I still do runs of one and of Demons every <laughs> once in a while. Uh, two, I really, I just can't stand it. I, I really have tried to like it. I, I mean, I really tried. I spent enough time with it. Like when it first came out, I think I did four full playthroughs, like different builds. Um, but I just, uh, and I, and you know, everybody's like, Oh, you should play scholar. It's, it's much better. And, and it, it improved a lot of things. But did it? I mean, I didn't notice and I was really trying to like it. I was like, all right, I'm going to do a complete playthrough of scholar. Of the first things everybody keeps insisting it's way better, but, uh, no, I just didn't see it. It just, it feels wrong to me. The timing of everything feels off. Like the parry timing feels off how the attack timing feels it just feels completely off to me. And then it just seems like downright unfair in some places where that yeah. was always kind of a hallmark of the series is that they're cruel, but fair. Um, and, and Dark Souls too, just a couple of places. It's like, Oh, come on. Like, <laughs> like now you're just being hard for the sake of hard. And that's not fun. Like be hard. Like if there's a story reason to be, or if there's something really good in there, but don't, be hard just to be a jerk you know yeah the iron keep in scholar where there's three npc invaders and all of the alone knights have an aggro range of like 75 miles like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's really 
yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal. I got that far in my scholar run, and yeah, that was that was the thought. I, I think I did finally get past Smelter Demon. Yeah, I did, because I remember playing through the second part of Iron Keep. Yeah, and I got past Iron Keep, too. I, I still haven't played any of the DLCs, and people go, oh, no, the DLC is the best stuff. Eh, okay, but, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not interested enough to go back and play them, so that's about the only one I don't ever play. Um, I don't think I can, I, I don't think I could change your mind on the DLCs, but I will say, like, it is the best content of Dark Souls 2, and, like, the, but if you don't like the actual, like, playing through Dark Souls 2, like, I, I mean, I, there's no way that I could tell you to go play them. I will say that there's one boss fight that's probably my favorite out of Dark Souls 2 and maybe even Dark Souls 1 that's just really astounding where like you actually get a crew together and like at one point you can have, you can basically have a, like an eight on eight fight in dark souls 2 and it's amazing oh yeah i've heard about that so that actually sounded fun but I, and i which dlc is that in again the uh crown is of the, the uh ilium lois is i think a crown of the frozen king that doesn't sound right but it's the it's the ice world it's it's winter wonderland i don't remember the name of it okay yeah 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 so i think i got to that dlc and i you know i went through the weird sculpture thing that takes you to it and then it was like oh a blinding blizzard nah, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't, don't feel like it today there's <laughs> a there's an optional path in that same DLC, which is probably my most garbage Dark Souls area. Like, it's just the fucking worst. Like, literally, you were talking about a blinding blizzard. It's ten times as bad in this section that it is at the beginning. And, like, there's these giant lightning reindeer enemies that will just come out of nowhere. You literally have no landmarks to be able to tell you where you are. You get you get to the end, and it's an optional boss fight with... Just literally like, uh, do you remember the Sanctuary Guardian and Dark Souls 1 where you beat it once? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's that thing. It's not that thing, but like it's an enemy like that, except now there's two of them. Like you've already beaten the boss in one area. <laughs> so now there's two of them over here for no reason, for no, basically no reward. Like it's, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's one of the uh, that's one of the Dark Souls, uh, you know, pro tasks I have never accomplished, which is going back and beating the twin Sanctuary Guardians. It's, I just don't bother with it. Like at a certain point, like I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like I think for me it was like you know I want to I want to be able, to, dude. For the longest time, I had never soloed Ornstein Smile. Like never. <laughs> like it was the it was a really long time before I actually went and soloed them um, because I just could not figure out how to manage that fight correctly. Um, and now I can solo it, you know, fairly, fairly easily, but yeah, for the, I mean, probably the first year and a half I played that game, I had never soloed, or I at least summoned Solaire, uh, if not an actual human summon. Um, but yeah, I still, like, so like I said, I still run, uh, demons every once in a while. That's pretty occasional. I still run one kind of on the regular. I'll, I'll play like maybe every three, four months. And then the main two I stick to now are just Bloodborne and, and, uh, and three, um, and I waffle between the two. Um, <clears throat> again, three is just, uh, I wish there was just more variety to it, you know, cause the, the, everything up to probably, um, it's, it's, everything up to about the midpoint or so just feels like, you know, sort of a chore you have to do before you can start actually playing the game. Yeah. That's, uh, so that's, that's the level design that. is like, I like the level design, like that undead purgatory town or whatever um, is 
I don't remember the name of it now. The but the um, undead settlement. There you go. Settlement. Yeah. Um, like that level in and of itself is just fantastic. Like it's huge. It's sprawling. Like there's a couple of ways that you can enter and exit. But like at, at the end of the day, like you can't. You have to go through that in order to progress the game. Like Dark Souls One was so good about like giving you options. Even Dark Souls Two gives you a lot of options at the start of where you could go. So yeah. like it's just. I feel like that that critical path to the cathedral really just damages that the replayability of that game because you have to do basically the same thing all the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, despite the fact that uh, that Bloodborne is is fairly similarly linear, at least uh, uh, up through you know uh, Cathedral Ward, uh, it doesn't feel railroaded anywhere near as much, or at least uh, maybe it's just that everything is so interesting and and cool in central Yarnum that I don't ever feel like it's a chore to run through that area. Like I always try to find like new ways, like a new order to do it in or, or whatever, you know, hitting all the touch points I need to hit as far as grabbing all the shards and grabbing the hunter set that's there. And when I kill everything and do I do cleric beast before gas coin and all that kind of stuff. And I, I never feel like that's a chore at all, but yeah, dark souls three is just like, okay, let me just slog through the easy parts of the beginning. So I can start my game finally. Uh, so it, it's it's it sounds like you're uh, way more of a mechanics guy than for these games than uh, like getting into the story because pretty much all you've been talking about so far is like how the game plays and like going through it and replaying it. Do you get in, into the story? Like, do you get into the lore? Do you weep at um, body I, videos and the, the whole nine? Um, I I don't. I don't look at, you know, I, I used to watch all of Vadi's videos uh, until I got into a Twitter argument with him, not even over a lore thing, it was over something else, and, and it, so now I just, out of spite, you know, like, I'm not watching your videos anymore, which is kind of stupid, but, um, <laughs> but uh, um, no, I, I really like the lore aspects, I, I, in fact, there was just a, a, a discussion in the, the Blood One thread yesterday, uh that someone was talking about, uh, like the intro of the game. And, um, I, I forgot exactly what he was suggesting about the, what the initial guy in the wheelchair who sets you up with your initial transfusion says. But to me, I always read that part of, especially the line when he goes, uh, uh, oh yes, pale blood. Yarnum is the home of blood administration. To me, that always sounded like he had no idea what pale blood was. He's like a low level, like he's like a, um, like a, a medical tech. He's not a doctor. He's just, He's kind of low level. He's like, oh yeah, blood. Yeah, obviously it's somewhere here. I don't know what specifically, but sure. Um, and and then someone else in the thread had interpreted that completely differently than I had. Um, and I, I love that. I, I like that it's it's so open to interpretation that way. And um, another one that had come up was the was how, when Mikolash dies um, because I, I still I still don't buy into the theory that Mikolash was a high level scholar at all. Um, and the reason I don't. I don't think that is because of how his voice changes when you finally kill him. Um, I think his only talent, I think he was probably a C student. Um, he was kind of a suck up <laughs> and, uh, and his only talent was being able to hold on to the nightmare state for so long. Um, and what happened was, is he held on to it for so long and he considered in his dream, you know, he considers himself very uh, like, all his talking about hmm, cause or some say cosm, it sounds like to me he's imitating someone smart, not actually being smart. Um, because he's just sort of, it sounds like to me he's mimicking things he's heard much smarter people than him say. Um, and then when you kill him, that's what, I mean, he, his, in fact, I think I looked it up and even the voice actor changes. 
and he starts to sound like really non-intelligent. He's like, oh, now forget everything. Like I was smart and now you've destroyed my little illusion world that I've built for myself where I'm the smartest guy in the world. Um, and so that was like a really interesting discussion we had about people talking about, oh, no, he's a high level Mensa scholar. And I, was, I never saw it that way because – he sounds like such a dumbass when you kill him, you know? I'm just impressed that you're still keeping up with the SA Souls threads. Like, I've had to check out of those a long time ago. <laughs> well, they, they're to the point now where they've calmed down enough to where it's only like maybe 10, 15 posts a day. So that's not too tough to catch on. Plus, I don't really read any other, like, sites, any social media sites. Like, I, after the election, I, I got rid of, like, Twitter, Facebook, everything, just too depressing to even watch any of that. So essay is about the only thing I keep up with. So it's not too bad to manage. It's just the two, the dark souls three thread and the, the bloodborne thread. Those are the only two. Um, it, actually lately there's been a couple of new players to the bloodborne thread and that's always fun to watch a new player nice. come in, you know, that's always a, a good time is when somebody comes in and like everybody in the thread just kind of immediately like they start talking vague or like the page before, <laughs> like everybody's detailing intro, like specific lore and mechanics and all of this, all of, all of the secrets. And then someone's like, hey, man, like I just started. Should I use the sock lever? And everyone all of a sudden it's like <laughs> vagueness just everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, you know, I, in fact, I just so I since I just upgraded to a, a, a PS4 Pro, um, I gave a buddy of mine my old PS4 and. I had bought a, another digital copy of Bloodborne because I, I think I'm over physical discs at this point. So I gave him my physical copy uh, and sent him off with it. He sat here for a while playing it, and it was really fun watching him, you know, start new. And I was I was trying not to say too much. I was like, uh, all I kept the only advice I kept getting was like, you got to be more aggressive, man. You're playing too cautiously, and that's what's getting you killed. Um, and uh, but yeah, it was really fun watching him. And then I, I texted him the next morning. I was like, how late were you up killing beasts? And he's like, until like two. Uh, still haven't gotten past that. Still haven't gotten past that mob at the bonfire. It's like, yeah, that'll, that'll take a while. And then eventually, I was like, you know. Uh, Sometimes uh, prudence is the better choice. Those guys don't really drop anything you need. So uh, you may just want to run around and find an exit and just run because they won't chase you that far. And he's like, so is running away a big part of the game? I was like, no, not necessarily. But fighting groups, large groups, is really tough, especially early on. And, and they're not going to drop anything that you want. So you may as well just run past. And he's like, okay. So I haven't heard from him since, but I hope he's gotten past them. There's something really, really fun about shepherding somebody through their first Souls game, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I always, I always talk about it. Uh, like watching, I really feel like Dark Souls was the first game that I ever really like paid attention to Twitch for. Like that was the first time I actually actively started watching people play video games, and um, I think it's strictly because like you want to see them succeed, but you also want to see all of the new people fail in all the ways that you did. So like right. you want to, you, you want them to do well and like, you'll give them hints to like, okay, well don't, don't upgrade resistance. That's, that's a, that's a trap stat. But, but then you won't tell them about like the, the, when they're coming out of blight town for the first time and their firekeeper is dead. Like you want to hear that dismay in their voice. Like it's a, it's a definitely a double-edged sword when you're shepherding people through it. I think it's really, really <laughs> <Right>. fun. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the funny thing about this guy in particular is, so he's the, the bass player in the band I play and we were, we were getting to a rehearsal on the, um, the keyboardist for the band was over also, and I was I was playing Bloodborne while we were waiting for everybody else to show up. <clears throat> and so the keyboardist has played it before, and he was like, that's one of the hardest games I've ever actually beaten and whatever. But as we were sitting there, um, you know, we weren't really talking about the game or whatever. And then at one point, the bass player who I gave the PS4 to, he was like, this game looks easy. <laughs> 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 it 
keyboardist just started laughing, and the keyboardist was like, "No, no, he's just really good at these games. Trust me, really, really difficult." Um, and then, yeah, when he started playing, and he was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "He's like, you made this look really simple." I was like, "Yeah, it's because years of playing these games uh, almost exclusively." So. Uh, yeah, I, I was, was going to ask, like, when you started playing Dark Souls, you kind of you, you made it sound like you were kind of done with the typical open world handholdy Call of Duty games. Like, what else were you playing around the time? Like, were you into RPGs in general, or was this something new? Um, I mean, <laughs> I had never been a huge RPG guy. Like, honestly, first person shooters were like the big genre for me because, like, I came up playing like like Doom on PC and Quake and oh my god Quake 2 I can't tell you how many hours I played Quake 2 I just I mean hours upon hours like every night that's all I did playing Quake 2 with like a, a 250 ping on a 28.8 modem you know um, <laughs> like, like that was my life for a long time um, and then I I, I always kind of hated the idea of a console shooter because I was a, a mouse and keyboard guy for so long and trying to play a shooter on a, a console, I always felt like I couldn't turn around fast enough because, you know, if you're playing mouse and keyboard, you can you can flick the mouse in 180 really, really rapidly. Um, and so I like when Halo come out, it came out, I was like, yeah, oh, hum, you know, like. Not really any interest, and I ended up playing it eventually, and it was okay, you know. But I don't think it it really is outstanding in, in really in any way, aside from the fact that it was just the first console shooter. Um, but yeah, I eventually got into like some of the Call of Duty games. But my problem with those is that I can't stand playing with puppies. I hate it. Like it's just like especially any kind of team game or any kind of team map. It's just useless trying to play with with you know puppies on servers because no one coordinates. Like even if everybody is on headsets, if you got to go capture the flag or whatever, it's just every man for himself. Yeah, and see, not- all of my recent um, attempts to play Overwatch without having a group of people like queued up and ready, <laughs> like it's yeah, just it's yeah. fucking impossible. Like yeah, you know to have six people on a team and to try to organize like a team structure and to you know, push the payload and to do all this stuff without any kind of communication whatsoever. It's just, yeah, ugh, it's bad. Right. It's yeah. When I, when, I was, when I was playing Quake 2, you know, you were always playing clan or with, at least with friends. And so that was really fun. Like capture the flag and Quake 2. Oh my God. I've had some of the best times of my life playing that game um, with a good group of people who actually coordinate it. And because it becomes like fun, like when it's constant, like, tug of war back and forth with who's going to get the flag back and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but yeah, with puppies, it's just awful. And so I, I, I got into call of duty for a little bit with the first modern warfare game, um, played online a little bit, but then again, that once it started in with all of like the leveling up and prestige and, you know, like you get to the point to where if you try to start a new, a new guy, like, you just get destroyed because everybody has way better weapons than you have that they've unlocked or whatever. Like, it's just like, this isn't fun. Like that, that to me is like, until somebody learns how to fix the, um, um, any, like every gaming community eats its own young problem. Mm -hmm. Um, to me, I'm just not going to be interested in those games anymore because that's how it always is. It's like, there needs to be, I don't know. I don't even know what would solve it. Some sort of handicapping system. I mean, and and the Souls games have had that problem. I mean, I for a time I I rolled up a you know a, a mancer and made him a, a low level invader and just 
ran around through the burg just being ass to everybody, you know, because I Same. was rolling with yeah, so <laughs> I'm rolling with like a plus ten lightning hand axe and and you know, like huge pyromancies and you know, you just go in and destroy people, but it wasn't fun for very long just because you know, and then I ended up doing like, you know, the whole Christmas Wraith idea where you just go in and drop things and open gates and open doors and open shortcuts. That was more fun for me. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where until somebody learns to, to mitigate that some way, uh, I just don't know that I'll ever get that into multiplayer, period. Um, I don't even think Dark Souls 3's approach really solve the problem. Uh, I mean, it, it, I think it mitigates it some, but it definitely doesn't solve it. I, I still wish, I think I had a theory somewhere, it was either between one and two or, or between two and three, where they should really be computing some sort of gear score. Um, so like you're, you're assigned a bracket of players to match with based on what your gear score is, and that's based on you know the upgrade level of your stuff, um, the defensive level of your stuff and, and, and a bunch of different things. And then like know, if you're fading so- with a plus 10 weapon, you should probably only be matched with people with a plus eight or up weapon. Like yeah, that, yeah. that would, that would alleviate some of these things that I think they were trying to solve with in dark souls two with soul memory of not letting high, high end, low level players with in game gear, like go and troll early players. But the thing that frustrates me the most about that is that, trolling players is fun and like you don't actually hear there the first time in dark souls one that you invaded somebody and killed them with your you know plus 10 lightning axe or whatever they didn't go human again they were terrified like they, you weren't doing that over and over and over again to somebody so like it's one experience right. that I, I just don't know why people are so angry about it like it seems like and it seems like from software has gone out of their way to protect the innocent new players or whatever and i'm like this is what kind of makes the game great is being able to do weird and bad and horrible shit to other people like you should See, embrace but, this but you know i agree with you now but i mean if you were to search back through like the dark souls one thread like way early when i first started playing i'm sure you can find at least one if not a couple very long angry rants about how invaders are just ruining the game um and now I think it's like one of the most fun aspects. Like it's exciting when I get invaded by an actual player. NPC invaders to me are just boring, but um, but yeah, getting invaded by a player, I'm like, wee, okay, cool. Let's see if I can take this guy, you know, at this level. You know, I see it as a fun challenge. But back then, oh my god, I just used to get so mad. Like I never, I was never a plug puller. Like I never would just yank the network cable out or anything <laughs> like that. But I would usually just like I wouldn't even give him the satisfaction. Like I just jump off a cliff somewhere. I knew I could get yeah. my. My blood stained back. Um, but yeah, that was just, to me, it was painfully unfun. Um, I think it's more, like, to me, the meta and the comedy, particularly in Dark Souls 1, it doesn't seem to be as prevalent in 2, but I think that's way more fun than, than you know, doing an invader the regular way. Like, the videos, like, about the manly miners, like, that was a great one. And the, what was the one with the the guys looking like those drinking birds in that puddle. Oh, in, it's about the, the same forest. guy. Yeah. Um, where they're yeah. doing the, the proper bow or whatever. Um, yeah. And they have, they're wearing the Xanthus crown. Yeah. So <laughs> that was brilliant. And I remember one time, uh, I invaded and Orlando, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't being invaded. I, I did the invading and I uh, was running around looking for where the people were and they were standing on the narrow bridge that's outside the little tiny chapel with the Titanite demon in it, um, except they were both naked, except for wearing the sack on their heads, and they were doing the item not 
available gesture, the kind of semi shrug, like we and they were doing it synchronized. And it was one of the funniest things I had ever seen. And then so, of course, since I have a sense of fucking humor, I stripped down, put on a sack, and started doing the gesture with them, you know? And they just, like, we did it about ten times in a row, and then they just started, like, bowing and jumping for joy and everything. Like, I was probably the first guy who played along, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yes, stuff like that to me is great. Like, that's fun. So I, I dropped, like, a ton of humanity and a bunch of Titanite and just, you know, and crystalled out because that was fun and, and funny. Yeah, I, for whatever reason, like, the 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 comedy Dark Souls videos that came out of Dark Souls 1, I don't think has ever been touched. Like, none of the stuff I've seen from Dark Souls 2 is as good. And like, I haven't really... And this is part of me just being checked out of the YouTube thing now because I don't really, I don't really like spend a lot of time on YouTube like I was back then. But I haven't seen a lot of like funny Dark Souls three videos. Like it's mostly, it's mostly just like PvP encounters and like there's people doing some interesting stuff. Like uh, there's a guy that does narrated duels where he like puts his thoughts and what the other player is thinking on the screen at the same time and like I guess to try to teach people how to PvP or whatever. But like oh. n- nothing like the comedy shit that was coming out of like. You know, as as much as I hate only Afro nowadays, like like I I, I kind of look down on that that content, unlike that um, giant dad situation, like all that kind of became played out. But like nothing has ever come to that peak again for me. Yeah, I, I would agree. Actually, there doesn't seem to be like as much of a um, you know. I, I think, but honestly, I think a lot of that is that. <laughs> As the game has become more mainstream, you know, you attract more of the serious gamer types, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because like for the like for for pretty much the entirety of Dark Souls one, one's like lifespan as like you know still a current game, like we were the weird kids, you know. I mean, like there, I remember telling the people be like, oh yeah, what what game you play right now? Dark Souls one, they'd be like. Why? Like, like are you, are you like breaking your controllers? Why would you do that to yourself? Um, and so it wasn't like a mainstream thing at all. And so, you know, I, I think uh, despite the fact that, you know, uh, uh, most of us are, are, I mean, you have to be skilled at video games to play the Souls games, at least to play them well. And, and I think in spite of the fact that most of us were fairly skilled players, like most everybody had a sense of humor. Um, and I think now, uh, now that it's gone a little more mainstream, I think you get more of the, uh, you know, the, the call of duty style, you know, must dominate everyone kind of players who come in, um, you know, cause I like, I just like fair fights. Like if I'm invading or something, so like if I invade and somebody's engaging with some big enemy or something like that, then I'll hold off, let them finish. You know, I don't, I don't want to jump in and, um, and just throw a wrench into the whole thing. I'd rather have like. A duel, I mean, now that's not to say I'm one of those honorable dueling bros. Yeah, you you yeah. must have healing, you know, whatever. But um, what, What's interesting about I, that is, like, I'll do the same thing, right? Like, I'll invade somebody, and I'll, I'll see that they're in a fight or something, and I'll, I'll, like, I'll decide, like, okay, I'm going to hold off. I'll let them finish killing the enemy. But then, like, the opposite thing can happen. Like, I'll invade, and I'll see somebody, and I'll, like, something takes over my brain, and I'm like, they're using a weapon I don't like. I'm just going to fuck them up right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's ridiculous. It's a it's a it's a it's Dark Souls and I've said this before on the podcast, but Dark Souls one makes me a mean person when it comes to PvP. Like I just it brings out like the worst trolley ideas and like actions in me for some reason. And I I don't really know why. The other games don't do it near as bad. Huh, that's interesting, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I look, the only the only time I will jump right in is like if I if I invade somewhere like in uh, like Fair and Keep or somewhere and and I see that the host already has two phantoms summoned and there's already like uh, another like uh, wolf bro there trying to maintain against three I I go rushing forward and I never ever fight against like if I'm invading as a red I never fight against like a a Fair and Keep protector guy I always fight against the host. Um, that's the one to me though, if I had one wish for them to fix something in, in PVP for Dark Souls three, it would be limiting the host ability to resummon phantoms because that just becomes such a slog when every time you kill a phantom, they could just run back over and just resummon them again. Um, yeah. it's like, I'm already limited enough as an invader. Don't give him infinite lives, uh, on top of it, you know? So, uh, that would be the one thing I would really want them to fix. Um, well, that and just uh, like the covenant summoning working because I still don't have uh, like the spell achievements or the miracle achievements just because <laughs> I get the covenant ones. I can't get any summons for those. Um, yeah, mine was mine was totally broken. I, I finally just I just said okay, I'm just gonna like spend a, a morning listening to podcast and um, and farming the silver knights for years and be done with it. <laughs> like, because um, yeah. some of them work. Like the Audric's Faithful worked perfectly for me. Like I would get summoned constantly, but the uh, the Farron Covenant, I guess I would leveled up too high. But even with a low level dude, I, I didn't get summoned very often. And um, I've never been summoned as a Dark Moon and it have it work. I've been summoned once and then instantly disconnected, which is like. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, I think I had one summon as the Darkling that actually worked. Uh, Aldrich wasn't super consistent for me. I, I think Fair and Keep was uh, about the most consistent for me as far as the Covenant summons went. Um, but now normally I would just rather invade as a red or as a Sunbro. Um, I like the Sunbro invasion thing. That, I mean, I like that that aspect of Dark Souls PvP is that. You can have like a bunch of people, and the Mad Phantom thing is great. I I had the most perfect Mad Phantom encounter. Um, I summoned him uh, right outside of the Pontiff's uh, bonfire, uh, where everybody PVPs there, and uh, right at the beginning of Anna Orlando. And um, I summoned him there, and he showed up, and he's fighting enemies, and there weren't any invaders or anything, but. Um, you know, so, you know, we were kind of warily, you know, like our friend or foe, you know, and um, and then it looked like, okay, we're going to be buddies. And so we're kind of working our way through the level and we get invaded a couple of times and manage to fend off the invaders. So we're doing well and this guy's fun and, um, you know, he's he's being cool about it and he's being funny. And so I'm dropping in uh, embers and things like that and everything to, as he's helping out or whatever. And then we get to, uh, we go inside the where the ladder down to uh, the Aldrich Faithful Covenant guy is and the two big beasts are or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at this point, we've been playing about 20 minutes and he's he's been my buddy. So, you know, I don't trust him completely, but I trust him as far as I'm going to trust him <laughs> or whatever. And uh, and so I get on the ladder to go down. He gets out right above me and kicks me off. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> it's so perfect. Like, it was just like the perfect 20 minutes of I'm totally your friend. And then, nope, I'm not your friend. Now you die. <laughs> he just kicked off that ladder and I fell. So it was so brilliant. I was and I, I sent him a message. I was like, "Dude, that was the perfect purple bro encounter, um, like absolutely perfect." So, yeah, it was really fun. Yeah the the PvP stuff is just I, I enjoy it a lot, even though I don't I don't spend near as much time as I used to playing it. Um, before we before we close out the podcast, I do want to mention that um, 
like you and I tried to do a project together that I thought was going to be absolutely hilarious. And it was one of those like classic something awful goon projects that never go anywhere. But (laughs) (laughs) you and I, and another guy, um, who I think his name is Richie. Um, if I remember right, like we were going to do a giant family run, like to the point where I did a trailer on YouTube for it. And I still get comments from people saying like, Hey, wh- where's this full video at? I want to see it. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I remember I found that, I found that footage the other day. Um, Cause I was looking through and I also found some of our uh, SA fight club footage uh, that I know you're playing in. Um, and I think Genocyber is playing in. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I still, uh, uh, I still try to talk to that dude. He's, he's like an active YouTuber now. Oh yeah, yeah. He he's still active on the threads, but he's such a jerk on the forums. <laughs> like, like, like. I mean, he's like, like. I've considered him, you know, kind of a, a Dark Souls, you know, friend. Air quotes for a couple of years now, but yeah, he can be such a jerk sometimes. Uh, it's just like, dude, man, <laughs> like, just games, just relax a little bit. But uh, but yeah, I, I found the giant fam footage, and I remember we had done, we did uh, the Taurus Demon, and I I can remember how we staged it because we all three of us were on top of the tower. Yep, and then and then the giant kid who I don't remember which one of us was like was like looking down and like the dad like pointed like to the Taurus demon like go get him, and then the giant kid goes charging down there and charge again. Yeah, yeah, it would have been really great. I, it's unfortunate that we should revive that project and bring back the giant family. I actually um I I found my footage of it um when I was moving servers or something, so I, I pulled it all into a Vegas project and, and chopped up all the bad parts, but like. There's footage of uh, the three of us all standing around Solaire with binoculars and just staring at Solaire, <laughs> <laughs> all dressed yeah. up as uh, the, like a giant mom, a giant dad, and a giant kid. Like it's it's it's, yeah. it's actually kind of funny. And that poor guy, we were we were in the burg doing something, and uh, or maybe in the parish. Yeah, we were in the parish, and uh, we got invaded. And because Dark Souls one networking, you know, dot txt or whatever, the like as soon as someone invaded, it kicked one of us out. But like the other two were standing there in a full giant dad regalia, <laughs> and, like this poor invader, like level ten or whatever, comes in and was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> right. And then sent us a message afterwards that said, like, you know, the legend will never die or whatever, which was like a great Dark Souls moment. Yeah. Yeah. I should. I. I need to. I need to finish. Like, I moved laptops, so I don't have access to Vegas anymore. But I need to go back to my old laptop and just like finish that project at some point. Yeah, I have it on an external drive somewhere. I'll have to find it. If I can find it, I'll Dropbox it for you. So sure. Yeah. yeah be funny. I, I have some other other perspective you want to cut into. It. But that was <laughs> that was a really fun idea. I'm sad that we didn't we didn't do more with it. Uh, yeah, the, the, the creating the narrative of, uh, like, because I think it was with the gargoyles that, like, okay, the, the giant kid is going to start with, like, the shitty sword or whatever, and then he's going to go kill the dark, kill the gargoyles and come back with the big sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like so that. goofy and dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of that Fight Club footage was pretty fun, too. It was, it was, I remember we did a couple that was, like, everyone's goofiest build. Yep. Uh, so there's, like, some really bizarre, like, what on earth? Like, what is everybody doing? Some uh, of that stuff is, uh, I've got, I've got like full playthroughs and I've got a couple of like cut up trailers for that on my, uh, YouTube channel still. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. From way back then. <clears throat> yeah. I don't remember if anybody got footage of the one, the, the one fun moment of that one I remember was I, I had a build that was using the chaos blade. Um, and I think I was fighting genocide at the time we were doing duel in the tower in the painted world. Um, and I think you were kind of because I remember you going around like pointing to the next two duelers, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, 
And, uh, and yeah, and so I was, we were fighting and it was a really, really close fight. And then I got to the point to where, uh, if I had hit him, it would have killed me too. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just offered him my back to just backstab me and finish it. And nobody knew what I was doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm... It kind of froze. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Cause I, none of us were on the mic speak. because, uh, in, on the 360, you couldn't be in a cross, you couldn't be right. in a party chat without, uh, and be in the game. Dark Souls would kick you out of the party chat. So nobody could talk to him another we were like texting in irc i think yeah yeah we were on irc and everybody's like what are you doing and i was like it's gonna kill me too because it's of the health uh, you know drain and so yeah it's funny he finally took it that was just such a weird funny moment like we're having like a really good fight and then i just froze and turned facing away from him, and then everybody stopped like it's <laughs> weird moment like what's going on <laughs> fight clubs are so much fun like yeah. um have, have you messed around with the arena the new arena and dark souls 3 uh, just a little bit because I, I only have one character who finally got that far, uh, yeah. but I've gone back to Bloodborne, so it'll probably be a while before I get back to Dark Souls Three. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of my problem, especially with this podcast, is because I record at least one of these a week, so probably more. Um, but every time I get on the mic with somebody, and we start talking, like they just start praising how great Bloodborne is, and so I just I start playing Bloodborne again. <laughs> like it happens yeah. consistently over and over again. <laughs> Man, have you tried a full arcane build yet? Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, that's one. Yeah. That's my main chalice diver. Uh, he uses yeah. a uh, like I've got a t- like ton of high end arcane gems. Like a whirly gig with a bunch of bolt gems in ROM is so much fun. <laughs> like it's just it just shreds it's so bad. It's great. The whirly gig in general is crazy fun. That that was like such a um a weapon. I I uh, like such a great idea for a weapon. And then when you start playing with it, you're like, oh my god! Like you just because you just mow things down. I know it's so uh, fun. Bloodborne, the, the trick weapons in Bloodborne, like made me so disappointed in dark when I started playing dark souls three. Cause you know, I was coming off of bloodborne and like, so even with the weapon arts, like I feel so limited in my movesets and things. Whereas bloodborne, I feel like I can do like 18,000 things with one weapon. Like it's crazy. And then you can equip two and there's really no item equip load or anything. So like, just put your two favorite weapons on and like go to town. So like carrying around Ludwig's Holy blade and a whirly gig on an arcane character is just like so much fucking fun. Like, and it gives you so yeah. much variety in what you can do. That's to me. That's one of the things I think that Bloodborne did a lot better than any of the Souls games. Is that you know, like in Bloodborne, there's what twenty something weapons I think, for, as far as right hand weapons go, and and but they're all good. All of them are good, um, and all of them will match somebody's playstyle somewhere. And I much prefer that to having you know 150 weapons where only 20 of them are actually good. Um, which seems to happen in the rest of the games. I mean, there, there's a few things like, you know, there's a, there's definitely a bunch of meta weapons that everybody's going to use, you know, like, uh, like if you're going to be using like an ultra great sword, it's always this, if you're going to be using a straight sword, it's always this, whatever. But, but yeah, you know, for all the weapon variety that the, the souls games have, you know, a lot of it's just trash and I don't, I just don't like that. It's just, I would much rather just have, why can't every weapon be good? You know, like I think Bloodborne did that really, really well. My only complaint is that uh, I really think that they need to be a bit more player friendly with some of this stuff. Like once I beat Bloodborne for the first time, like literally just give me the option to start with every weapon or like something like just put it in the store on a new playthrough. Like trying to like I did a um, I did a skill build after the DLC came out. And so I wanted the Rikuyo and that is 
fucking far into that game. <laughs> like you have to play <laughs> yeah. a while. <laughs> so not like, it, not only is it far, but it's really hard to get when you get there. Oh yeah, yeah. Not to yeah, not to even mention the the, the two fish giants that are just almost impossible. I've told the yeah, story before, yeah. but I had a buddy helping me with that, and so we were like, I would summon him. We'd run down there. We'd die. I would summon him. We'd run down there. We'd die. Like we did it probably four or five times, and then. For like somewhere around the, like the eighth or ninth time, maybe the tenth, like the Winter Lantern followed us into the thing where the, the, the Winter Lantern had never done that before. So all of a sudden, we're in there with two fish giants and a Winter Lantern, giving us frenzy. <laughs> it was nuts. It was crazy. So you come that way to do that? I, I come from the the first lamp in the fishing hamlet and just jump down the well. Oh yeah, yeah. We were coming from the uh, whatever the I don't the remember lighthouse, the lamp. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, the house, and then going down the elevator. Yeah, I always come the other way to do that because you can you can jump through the purple skulls, like dodge through them, and then kill the caster guy and climb in the well and just run past everything, and then you're down there. So that's the shorter run to me. <laughs> but yeah, that was I remember the, the first time doing doing that encounter. I was like, you, you've got to be kidding! Like one of those fish giants is hard enough. And then, like, when the second one dropped down, I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, there's no way. And then someone was like, hey, Shaman Bone Blades work. What? They do? <laughs> and then that, that became much easier at that point. Yeah, that was where I actually learned how Shaman Bone Blades worked because uh, I had no idea that you had to be, like, super close for them to, you know, actually have an effect. Yeah, I had never I used them before. Like, there was really no I, reason to use them before that, so... Yeah, I had never used it before either, and I thought it was like rapport, like the spell rapport. I thought it had a little more range, but yeah, man, you gotta be, you gotta hit something with it, basically at melee range. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that's pretty much the first. I, I think that's the only thing I still consistently use them for. I've heard people use them for shadows of Yarn, but somebody say it doesn't last long enough for one to really do any damage, and, and that fight's easy enough to manage, I think. Yeah. Um. I like to ask at the end of the podcast, I'd like to uh, kind of find out, like, obviously you're a huge Souls fan and they pretty much said like, Hey, no more Souls. Uh, what, what kind of, what kind of game are you looking for from, from like, they have several projects in the works that they've talked about. Like one is Armored Core and then a couple of weird sounding, like, Oh, it's going to be a weird take on something that you love, which to me is just like, I hope more Bloodborne, but like, what is, what is your ideal announcement from, from software? Um, <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, I really liked that that Bloodborne was kind of a Souls game in a different setting, um, and so honestly, I wouldn't really mind seeing more of that. Just different settings, whether it be you know a futuristic setting or um, uh, or even a modern day setting. You know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I never played Armored Core. Like, I never played any of the really early from games as far as King Field and Armored Core any of that stuff. So, I don't know how well they do with gunplay. Um, but I, I could see. I was I was thinking the other day. I could see them doing kind of um, a, a slightly more realistic type of gunplay. You know, I don't. I think the Call of Duty games don't do gunplay very realistically, of course, because I mean, I don't think very many people could take several hits from a submachine gun and still keep walking. You know, um, <laughs> but I think I think From could actually do that. Like, do a gunplay game that's actually a little more realistic, like. Um, you know, something where, I mean, like some kind of armor actually matters or a bulletproof vest actually matters. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I, I'm saddened that there's no more souls, but in a way I'm kind of glad because I think 
my other issue with three is that it was a little too much. Hey, remember this? Hey, remember this? Hey, remember this? Hey, remember mm-hmm. this? Like it's just constant. Like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I, I like nostalgia too, but don't shove it down my throat. Um, but uh, you know, I would love to see a Bloodborne too. I really wish they would do that um, because I think there's still a lot of. I think the ending of that was open ended enough to where you could definitely do a sequel and. Um, and, and keep telling that story and keep exploring more things that the uh, more horrors that the healing church inflicted on the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think they've really refined that style of gameplay so much that I, I would hate to see them leave it all together. So I think probably I would just like to see the same style of gameplay just in some different settings now. Even like a, like a, uh, well, I guess uh, Nio is already kind of doing that or Neo or however you say that game, but like a feudal Japanese setting would be really cool for like a soul style game, I think. Um, but yeah. My, uh, my pitch for Bloodborne 2, and uh, I'm sorry, listeners, because you've probably heard me say this about eight times, and <laughs> I'm, I'm spreading my fascination with this idea to other podcasts. I would like it to come up on Twin Humanities now, um, is to do like a, basically like a, like a, an old West version, like an Americana infected by old dead gods. Like, like imagine like a, like not Westworld. That's not what I'm looking for, but like a red dead redemption, but with like the bloodboard combat system and storytelling, like imagine the fashion souls from like dusters and cowboy hats and shit. Like, I think that would be just red, but then also like going into a desert town that's been abandoned and finding like, Oh shit, Cthulhu monsters, like all kinds of crazy stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that would be great. Yeah. Anything that's like a cool different setting, you know, the red dead redemption, redemption zombie thing was really fun. Um, but yeah, I would love to see that kind of setting with more of a soul style gameplay. You know, the problem I think with these games is they kind of ruin you for most other games. I, yep. mean, I remember trying, <laughs> trying other things at the time and, and just being like, this is great. It's just so not souls, you know, like, oh God, Lords of the Fallen, what a debacle that was, you know, like after, <laughs> after having such high hopes for it, like, like seeing the trailers and like, okay, that looks like a game, like a souls game clone made by someone who actually gets it and then you started playing and it was like nope they didn't get it at all like they captured none of the feel of any of it um so it was just like such a huge disappointment um and uh you know like salt and sanctuary i think captured the idea pretty well at least as, as much as it could be captured in 2d but that game suffered greatly from the lack of a map because it was just like oh my god the lack of a map and point. just so many useless shortcuts. Like, just you would you would get like kind of like it started becoming like you. De- they definitely wanted to do that Dark Souls um, Firelink Shrine, the the, the elevator from Parrot from the church to Firelink Shrine moment. Like they wanted you to have that over and over again. But man, by like the eighth time that you do it and you realize like I'm not going to ever use the shortcut, it just wears out. It just becomes old. Yeah, yeah. So that one wore out for me fairly quickly. But yeah, I mean that's my problem with most other games is they're just not. Uh, Souls games. Yeah, they're just not so, Souls games. Yeah, I totally yeah. believe me. I totally understand. <laughs> I have friends who like they've never gotten into any of the Souls games. They've tried them, but they just never got into them. I don't know why you like those games so much. Like, if you don't understand, I can't explain it. To me, it's like riding motorcycles. It's one of those things. Like, I ride motorcycles, and most people think I'm an idiot for that. And I understand that idea. Yeah, motorcycles are dangerous. Every time I go out, I'm fully aware of the fact that I can get killed doing this. But if you have that bug. 
you got to, and then there's no other option. There's nothing else like riding motorcycles to someone who has that itch. And so to me, it's the same thing with the Souls games is when you have that bug, there's just no other game that gives you that same feeling. So I like to call it Souls-itis. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it killed like games like Skyrim for me. Like, you know, picking up Skyrim and going, this is, I'm not going to play this at all. I'm just going to go back to invading in Dark Souls 1, go back to the forest. <laughs> Man, you know what killed Skyrim for me was the motion sickness. Uh, like, I, there's some games for some reason, I think it's being on console and not being able to adjust, you know, FV and stuff like that. But there's some games that I get so sick from. Like, another one I can think of was, what's the, um, What's the zombie game that's like on a resort? Dead Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I couldn't. I can. I could play Dead Island for about thirty minutes at a stretch before I would just have to stop from feeling woozy. But man, I I got a copy of Skyrim because it looked amazing. You know, like it, every time I saw that trailer thing with the the hill giants and they would just launch that somebody like a player <laughs> up in the air one of those massive club swings and you could yeah. see them like walking along herding cattle and stuff. I thought that was like that looks so amazing, and then I bought it. Man, that opening cart ride sequence made me so sick. I had to go lie down for like like an hour. I felt so bad after it. I, and even that was even watching it kind of out of the corner of my eye because I couldn't watch it directly. It made me so sick. Uh, so I don't know what it is about Skyrim, but yeah, I've never played Skyrim for that reason. Hmm. Well, Monk, thank you very much for coming on the show. I, I really, really appreciate you spending some time with me this morning, especially yeah. on an early-ass morning on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm always up early because, I, I mean, I get to work during the week at like 7 a.m., so I'm up, so sleeping in until 8 is still sleeping in as far as I'm concerned. So Yeah, my, my dogs don't let me sleep past 6 o'clock in the morning, and, and both of yeah. which are now <laughs> completely asleep after waking me up, so that's great. But, um, where, can, uh, where can people find you on the Internet? I know you from something awful, and uh, – we, ne- we never actually, I don't think, mentioned that, but anytime we said threads or forums, we were always talking about something awful, but uh, where else yeah, can they, where yeah, else can yeah. they find you? Um, actually, mostly, not, not really anywhere. Now, like I said, I've killed most of my social media, so, uh, you know, I, I'm always up to making new friends on PlayStation Network, so uh, Monk Rocker is my handle there. It's all one word. Um, and yeah, that's probably the best place. Um, cool. Yeah, because I don't really go anywhere else anymore. Okay. Um... <laughs> Well, if that changes between now and when this podcast releases, just let me know if you go back on Twitter, because I'll tag you on Twitter. Okay, great. I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. I'm at JG Greer on Twitter. You can find the podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. If you'd like to come on the show like Monk, send me an email to DGUS. Nope. Yeah. DGUS Podcast at gmail.com. Um, come on the show. Tell me your soul story. The podcast is also on Facebook. I put episode previews up on instagram you can find all that stuff just you know by searching the relevant you know social networks as always i appreciate you listening and commenting and sharing the show that's always very very appreciated and remember don't give up skeleton